Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Five Rings to Rule Them All. I'm Sid Ziegler. It is video game week at our parent company, SB Nation. And as soon as I heard that, I knew exactly what I wanted to do for this week's episode. When I was a kid, I was very much into sports, but I was also very much into video games. And I got into video games because my cousin in Vermont uh, named Dan Williams got a Commodore 64 for some Christmas and birthday. And I, he and I got hooked. And we developed a, a strong friendship through playing games like Telengard and um, Impossible Mission and these, these games that are often impossible to defeat. Um, but one that wasn't impossible to defeat was, was one called Summer Games. It was based on the Olympics. In fact, it even utilized the Olympic theme. I can't quite figure out how they did that. Uh, somebody got paid handsomely for it. It was a really popular video game, and it was really the very first a really f great video game. You got to uh, choose a country to represent, and you participated in events like skeet shooting and diving and track and field and rowing, and it spawned a whole series of games uh, video games, winter games and summer games too, and California games. That was really the first great sports-based video game. And so I tracked down my cousin, Dan Williams, still living in Vermont and Burlington, to talk about the summer games and to just kind of take a, a stroll down memory lane. Um, I, this is going to be a, a, a more personal uh, podcast than I've done in the past. But we talk about just kind of growing up in and around the video games, Commodore 64, different games we liked. He gives us a couple uh, fun little Bernie stories. He lives down the street from Bernie Sanders. And then uh, Dan is a full-on Lord of the Rings uh, fan. Uh, and my love of Lord of the Rings was inspired by his love of Lord of the Rings. So the name of this very podcast came from... Uh, my relationship um, with, with Dan. Anyhow, I hope you are willing to take a stroll down memory lane with me and my cousin, Dan Williams. Well, I'm here with my cousin, Dan Williams, Burlington, Vermont. Dan, this is your first podcast. How does it feel? Uh, well, it's pretty interesting so far. Um, <laughs> I love the first Just question. on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> totally different. Totally different. Uh, so talking yeah. about summer games, video game. Uh, yeah. Do you have a favorite part of that game or a favorite event that we, that was a part of it? Well, you know, it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> you know, I haven't played it since the mid 80s, probably. Uh, although I do still have my copy of it. Which I found in the basement. What is it? Five, a five-inch floppy disk. Five and a quarter-inch floppy, sure is. That's got to be worth uh, something. Uh, well, some of them are worth something, but it, they're not worth much unless you have all the original packaging, which I don't have any of that. Yeah. But in any event, as as these game, the game, the the events in the game went, um, I don't remember all of them super well. I think I remember that the pole vault was the one I liked the most because it was the easiest to do well. I don't, I can't Which remember. Which I assume how, is not the case for actual pole vaulting. 
So do you remember what the what the what the what the mechanism of the joystick was that that how you did it? Um, yeah, it was like you know the uh, uh, you, you you came running in with the pole being held up, right? And you pull the joystick down, and the pole started to go down. Yeah, I don't. It's funny. That's that's one. Like looking through the different events is one of them that I don't remember. That very the one that I remember the least well. Um, but the the one I that think, I remember the most is the platform diving, because I remember you could right. just do all these different dives and you twist and turn the the joystick around. Yeah, like five or four, five different dives, something like that. And, and the computer would would judge you. Like I love that the depending on how well you did, you got like it actually knew. Um, if you belly flopped, you got like a one. Yeah sort of a uniformity of scores. There's nobody getting, you know, a bunch of tens and then a 6.2 from that one judge. <laughs> right. Because the Russian wanted to screw you. Yeah, I remember that was always like the big thing in the Olympics all throughout basically the Soviet era. I know that, I remember the event that I liked the least was the sprinting because all it was, if and correct me if I'm wrong, was you moving the joystick back and forth as fast as you yeah. could. Yeah, that's it. Which I didn't like of, the relay race very much either, but it was better than that. So I don't remember the relay. How, what, how, like, did you have to do something to pass the baton? Yeah, you just had to hit the button when you got close to the next guy. But that one didn't have a lot of jiggering the, the, the joystick back and forth. You just sort of, you know, pushed it to speed up or slow down so you could rest. You know, not run out of energy. You had like a certain amount of energy. If you ran too low, presumably you had to stop for a bit because you were tired. Uh, and then you just hit the button when you got close to the next guy, and then you'd start doing it again. Oh, that's interesting. So, so you would get tired, and you'd have to slow down. Right. Wow, I don't remember that at all. Would you like stop altogether at some point if you got too tired? I don't remember. Probably. I guess it was, well, you know, it was 40 years ago. I was sure this game had hurdles. Um, but then looking it up to see what the events were, uh, it didn't. But I was certain there was a hurdling event and I, I hated it. But it wasn't this game. Yeah, and for some reason I have in my head that there was some kind of jumping. But I, 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 it's not listed anywhere, so it must no, not No, it's just the pole vault. That's the closest to a jump, and that's not really a jump. Uh, how on earth did we... It create in our heads events that we never played. Like, well, I, you know, I wondered, did we ever play Summer Games 2? Ah, yeah. I don't remember if we did or not, but that one, you could, like, combine them somehow. What was the Summer Games 2? Let's see. Triple, triple jump, jump, high jump. See, I remember, okay, well, we're not crazy. I Because mean, I remember the triple jump, high jump, javelin throw. I remember that. Yeah. I definitely do not remember this equestrian. I'm just looking through the C64 Wikipedia. Uh, there's an actual whole wiki for just C64 games. Uh, and I'm seeing this equestrian thing here. I definitely don't remember that. Or kayaking. Well, kayaking in Olympic sports? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> Who knew? Painting used to be. Tug of war. There's, there's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, one of the things that I loved most about this game was picking what country you were going to represent. I don't know why yeah. I liked that part of it, but 
we were never, in fact, we were probably rarely American. We were always something different. No, you have to be American every day. That's normal. You know, why would you want to do it in a game? Do you remember, does it, so it had like the world records and you could like record your name with the world yeah. record. Did it record the country that you represented at the that time? I don't remember. I don't remember that. I barely remember recording my name for world records, so I probably didn't set any. Damn, <laughs> um, computer is probably always beating me. I see. Oh, I do not know which one I liked the least, though. Which event that I really didn't like was the skeet shooting. Oh, why? I don't know. I had just trouble shooting the skeets. You know, you, you have to move the little, your little, your little, you know, aiming reticule and and hit them while they're flying past with a joystick that only goes in two axes. Uh, actually, no, you could do diagonal one joystick. Um, so it was just, it was hard to, it was very, it was particularly hard for me uh, to do that. Other than, I mean, the, the, the dash one there, the, what was the 100 meter dash with the back and forth, that was, you know, bland. Um, but at least, you know, one could, I found that I could succeed at it to some degree, but no, I was never good at the ski shooting one. The only one that I remember from the winter games was is is the ski jumping. I, I definitely remember the ski jumping. But the rest of them, I mean, figure skating, what the heck could they have done for figure skating? I don't remember the winter the winter games at all. I'm not sure if I ever played that one. I was telling a friend last night uh, about this, uh, this podcast thing today. And, uh, you know, we were chatting over the Internet. Uh, but with voice. So her uh, her partner heard in the background me mention it, and he'd played all of them. You know, he'd played summer, summer two, winter, the world games, the California games, all that stuff. I didn't even remember there was a California games. Well, so so honestly, I think so. So the summer games came out in 84. Summer games two yeah. and winter games were 85. I think by 87, which is when the California games came out, my guess is that that we had really drifted more toward Bard's Tale and yeah. other things like that. Um, yeah, this guy's a little bit younger than us. So, um, you know, I think in 87, you probably started high school because um, I started high school in, in 88. So, yeah, we might have stop playing summer games games and bard's tale is was i, I love that game. yeah that was a great one i you know i found the discs for that in the basement too i, I would i wouldn't give it another try because i remember that game i remember play, i must have and i'm sure you're the same we must have played that game for hundreds or thousands of hours and i don't think i got close to beating it no the the that kind of like fantasy dungeon crawly type game from that time period was was basically brutally punishing. You know, you were getting jumped by terrible monsters all the time. Uh, it was difficult to make a lot of headway, and and the maps were they they used so much repeating graphics that it was very difficult to remember if you'd been there. It's really easy to get lost uh, unless you were actually like drawing out a map on a piece of paper. And I mean, that's what I did. I I, I used um, graph paper and I would map out where everything was because that was the only way to figure out how yeah, to get back or get make any headway. Possible, whatsoever. 
And they ended up making three of those barge sale games for that era of computing. And then a couple of years ago, a year or two ago, uh, whoever it was that owned the rights did a Kickstarter to make a fourth barge sale game. For like the Mac or what? No, for, you know, anything. For modern computers. Yeah. But not, I'm saying that he wasn't programming it for the Commodore 64. Oh, no, no, no. It's, you know, for regular PCs and such. What What was your favorite Commodore 64 game? Oh, Return of Her- the Return of Heracles. What was what, what did you like about it so much? Um, well, at the time, you know, I was particularly into Greek mythology, so it was really fun playing as these various um, Greek heroes to do stuff that Greek heroes would do. I mean, most you had to do these twelve labors, and they weren't the traditional labors of Heracles. Seven of them were, but then others were things that they. That the creator of the show just kind of, the creator of the game just kind of made up to put in because I can't imagine anybody's wanted to play a video game where one of the things you had to do was go clean out of stables. Right. So you know some of the less interesting uh, labors that uh, poor Heracles had to do were left out and replaced with you know go fight the Trojan War, um, <laughs> stuff like that. But it was quite good in that it was very you know. I mean, accurate doesn't seem like the right word, but it really captured the spirit of the stories and used, like, very... It, the names were very accurate. Like, it wasn't Hercules, it was Heracles, because this was based in Greece, so he used the Greek spelling. And in order to even play as him, you had to start as, as Palaemon, which was his, his name before he became a hero, and, uh, and you had to kill these two snakes in your crib as a, as a baby, which... Was part of the story, and if you couldn't do that, then you just the snakes killed you, then you just didn't get to play Heracles uh, and stuff like that. It was very, it was very well done. Yeah, it was. It was a cool cast of characters. I remember um, there it was Pegasus and yep. uh, it was Asclepius. Is that? Yep, you can play Asclepius. Uh, uh, there was uh, if you did Odysseus, you got his dog with him. Oh, right. And could you be playing had, all the characters at the same time? I don't, I don't remember that. You could. You could play as many of them at once as you wanted. Um, although it got difficult, like having to move all these guys around uh, on every map and stuff like that. But uh, it was easy to die. And, you know, you couldn't bring the characters back if they died. So you had to have backups in order to keep playing the game. Right, right. So, so if Pegasus died, you could continue playing with some of the other characters. Right. Yeah, I love that game. And to be honest, my interest in Commodore 64 really came from you. And I essentially just played whatever games you were playing. <laughs> you would yeah, find I, mean, I, think, I think I had one first. I only remember why we had that. I mean, my parents bought it and, you know, they didn't consult with me before buying it. They just bought it and gave it to us. And um, I think we used to bring it when we came down to the Cape, probably. Maybe. By the time I was in seventh or eighth grade, I had my own, I think. Yeah, I think that's true. But it took a while. I haven't haven't been to the cage in a while. I should do that again. No, I haven't either. Well, you live live on the other side of the country. I live in a state (laughs) that borders the same state. (laughs) If you don't have a reason, you don't have a reason. 
Well, I mean, I can visit, you know, my Aunt Jean. Yeah. Um, Wait, our Aunt Jean? Yeah, right, exactly. I don't know why I said mine. Uh, well, you live in Burlington, and so I, I have to ask you. I do. You must have at least one Bernie story you could share. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bernie's uh, actually lives not very far from me. I can't remember exactly which street it is. I used to know, but he moved. But he moved elsewhere in the in the neighborhood. He votes at the same place that that I would go to vote for for uh, uh, you know. This this next one, he was grumpy at me. Um, I was going to a law firm to drop off something for work, at a law firm called Paul Frank and Collins, and Bernie's senatorial office is in the same building. And there's a not, a, not a lot in that building. There's only a few businesses on the upper floors. It's a retail location on the morning. It's right on Church Street. And so I was going there, and he was going there. And after a while, I noticed he was right in front of me on the street. And I'm just walking along, and he's talking on his cell phone. And he was talking about whether or not he was going to run for Senate, which was, you know, uh, an item of some speculation in, in the media at the time because uh, uh, James Jeffords had, had, you know, not run for re-election. And he thought I was eavesdropping on him and following him. Because when we got to the office building, he, you know, when he turned to go in, he saw me behind him and he gave me the dirtiest look and he just went off to the side and, and didn't get on the elevator. And I just went on the elevator and went up to the, uh, to the law office. And when I came back down, you know, he got up to his office. But he just looked at me like he was sure I was spying on him. So he's officially a grumpy old man. Oh, yeah. Well, I think he's a grumpy young man when you know, get down to it. But he's definitely a grumpier fellow. Well, I remember the first time I ever saw Bernie Sanders was in the mid-'80s. And your hometown in Vermont, Newport, had a, a, some kind of a lake festival every year. And oh, yeah. I don't know what he was. He must have been running for Congress at the time. And Aquafest. Aquafest, yes. And I remember uh, seeing this kind of wild guy and, and, and I, your parents or somebody mentioning, oh, that's, I think even then somebody might've called him crazy Bernie. And I remember his button was just, um, it was just, was like red with the white Bernie on it. That's all he just, yep. it was Bernie. It's still, it's still what he's doing. You know, he'll, he'll sometimes put other stuff, but the red with, with Bernie on it and white is still, you know, kind of his, his logo. But yeah, he used to go to all that kind of stuff, and and you know, politicians, of course, they go to the local events and stuff to scare up votes and all that sort of thing. That's pretty normal. But they don't always go to every small town festival and stuff like that. But he he go to a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's amazing, you know, his entire political career was based off winning the mayoral election by ten votes. So he was a Burlington mayor. Yeah. If he hadn't won that time, I mean, would he have gone any further? But he did. He stayed as mayor years, and he was pretty popular. So from then, he turns into, you know, congressman, senator, and a reputable presidential candidate. Pretty impressive. <laughs> a two-time runner-up for the Democratic nomination. Yeah. Of which I mean, he's not no, even a member. Like, <laughs> exactly. He's, uh, he's never really had a job outside of politics that was anything other than, like, you know, something you do just to make money to make rent. But uh, it turns out he's quite good at this. So yeah. Well, I I, uh, I so appreciate you jumping on and, and walking down memory oh, no lane with me. Um, 
one of the as as the before you go, I always ask people the same two questions, and I'm uh, uh, as you know, the name of the podcast comes from a line in Lord of the Rings. You again, nope. just following your lead, I became a Lord of the Rings fan because you are a Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, and you're you're how I discovered it, and I figured you must have a a favorite character from from the books or the movies. That is that is hard, because um, there's a lot of characters in those books, right? And, and a lot of them are just regular regular sort of like side characters, like I don't know, uh, some Hobbit with a funny name, uh, or somebody like like Fatty Bolger who who was had a big part in the first in the first part of the, the the first Lord of the Rings book when he was one of Frodo's friends and he was going to go with them on the trip, but then he didn't to stay behind and throw off the scent that Frodo left and that sort of thing. There's a lot of little characters like that. Um, and a lot of them are just kind of fun, but they don't do a whole lot. They're, you know, they're just people that get met along the way and then the story moves on from them. Yeah. But I think of the major characters, and, and I'm assuming we can include the Hobbit in this. Yeah. Um, I think the major characters from from the, those four books that I that I found the most that I liked the most was Bilbo. Why? It's easy to say. I mean, well, because so Bilbo was a guy from a from a, a upper middle class sort of gentry family. He had a house and a position in society, and all he really wanted to do was, you know, live a normal kind of life, but sometimes he wanted to go do fun stuff. And he went on his adventures not out of a sense of some grim duty like Frodo had to, to destroy this ring that was going to cause so many problems for the world, but because he just wanted, he, he just said, you know what? This will be fun. I'm going to go do this. I'll go meet elves and, and hang out with dwarves and, and sweet talk a dragon. Just kind of was... The, the books are a bit grim in the in the towards the end, and uh, it was just kind of nice having a character who's just like, eh, I'm not in this for some sort of magical destiny or 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 thing like that. I'm just a guy who went on a trip and had a good time and walked away with a ring. Yes, I mean he didn't even know it was important. I mean, I guess he kind of had the sense it was because he didn't tell Gandalf about it, but. Yeah, he walked off with like the most important, you know, magical nuclear bomb in Middle Earth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's also actually the first person who ever owned the ring and gave it up voluntarily. Because yeah. at Gandalf's request, he gave it to Frodo. Right. Um, yeah. And most people have trouble with that, but you know, Indeed, even Gandalf Frodo couldn't give it up at the end. At the end of The Hobbit, did Gandalf know about it? I don't remember off for sure. I think he might have had a suspicion that Frodo, uh, sorry, that Bilbo was hiding something, but I don't know that he knew exactly what it was. Yeah. Uh, well, you are the first person, this is, I think, episode 29, you're the first person to mention Bilbo. Really? Usually Who else do people pick? Legolas is probably the most popular. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, He's by far the most popular. I mean, the rest of them, maybe one or two people mention them, but yeah, he's by far huh. the most popular. I mean, it was a hard choice for me to go between Bilbo and Sam. Yeah, I like Sam's. Sam's just a little too dopey for me, but. He, got, he also gives up the ring voluntarily. Yeah, yeah. 
Solo, um, Sam, and Faramir are the only ones you can do it. The, the, the second question I ask everybody, because it's an Olympics podcast, and he knows what a, what a huge sports fan you are, is, <laughs> do, you have a, do, you, is do you have a, a favorite Olympian, or do you have an Olympian you, uh, you, you even recognize? Well, um, uh, it's funny. I told some, some friends I was going to be on this sports podcast to talk about the sporting achievements of my youth. And they just sort of uh, asked me if I was, uh, uh, but they didn't believe me. Let's, let's put it that way. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, I certainly I could I can come up with names of lots of Olympians. Uh, sometimes not for necessarily the right reason. Um, like I couldn't tell you what sport Dick Pound uh, competed in back in the day, but he has a funny name, so I can remember who he is. Uh, and I do admire his his dedication to just being like screw you that's my name but i think the the most interesting sort of thing i i, I think about with this thing is do you remember a is a kenyan runner named uh abel mutai i do not remember no he's um he was uh an olympian in i don't know some olympics within the last 10 years and this there was an, a thing that happened it wasn't at the olympics but one of those, you know, probably a qualifying run somewhere uh, after he'd already run, won a medal at an Olympics um, where he was running. And there was a Spanish runner named uh, Ivan Fernandez behind him in second place. And Mutai kind of got to the end and thought he'd crossed the finish line and, you know, kind of slowed down because he thought the race was done. But he just got confused and the actual finish line was a little ways on. And, and Fernandez stopped to clear up the confusion so that Mutai could then win the race on the grounds of Fernandez thinking, I didn't win this race. If he had not just gotten confused for some reason, I wasn't going to win the race. So just blasting past the guy to, to win wasn't, wouldn't be fair. Uh, and there was a viral video of this for a while. Um, I just thought it was good. You know, it's the, it showed good sportsmanship. Which yeah. often feels like something in short supply in the world. Not sportsmanship, but that just kind of behavior. Uh, seems like some. I mean, even that guy's even that guy's coach said he did the wrong thing. The coach said something about, well, he might be the better man, but he's not the better athlete. And and it's like, what the hell, guy? I mean, <laughs> that's pretty amazing. That yeah, it's it's not just sportsmanship; it's selflessness. Yeah. And there were other cases too. Like I think there was some team in the maybe the America's Cup, who who or no, it probably wasn't America's Cup. Some there was some boating race where they stopped to help some people who whose boat had capsized and and they would have won otherwise, but then they they didn't they didn't come anywhere near winning because they were helping other people out of the water. Wow. And other, there's other examples of it too. There's there's always you know stuff going on, but the the one with the runners was the one I remember the most. Uh, the most until we started talking about them. I remember a few others. I'm a, I'm a high school and college football referee, and I never talk about the games that, that I appreciate. But I, one that I will mention is last year, there was a, a kid on a team, and he had a disability. And all of the – the game was over. The, there were a couple minutes left. Uh, I mean, it was over score-wise. And – it was one of those moments that, you know, go viral on YouTube, though I don't think anybody was recording it, where they put this kid in 
and they handed him the they 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 handed him the ball, and and everybody just knew exactly what to do, exactly how to play their part, exactly how to make it feel like a real like real competitive football. And the kid rumbled whatever a yard or two for a touchdown, and it was just. I mean, I, I got teary eyed watching yeah, it. Good. Even, even the defense, even the defense, kind of like you know, they 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 made it like they were they were going to get him, and it was just it was really just it was so heartwarming. Yeah, it's just, it's just like a genuine, genuinely good act, which happened, I'm sure, plenty often, but we don't hear about them that much. They do. They happen a lot more in sports than we realize. Yeah, they just don't make the news. All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I, I, uh, I no really problem. It. it was awesome to talk with you. Well, thanks again for letting me walk down memory lane. If you have any memory of the Summer Games video game, uh, hit me up at Twitter. I'd like to hear about it. It's uh, at Five Rings to Rule because Twitter doesn't let you have a handle long enough to say Five Rings to Rule them all. So it's just at Five Rings to Rule. And next week, we'll be back with more Olympic conversation. We look forward to talking to you then.